My name is Merrill Dubrow, President and CEO of Mark Research and the Chair-Elect of the MS Marketing Research Program at Michigan State. Really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting and interviewing one of the 350 alumni and 40 board members from the Michigan State Marketing Research Program. Today's guest on Spartan Insight is Ryan Berry, my good friend, fellow Bostonian, and Chief Revenue Officer at Zappi. Ryan, thanks so much for being on Spartan Insights. Merrill, it is my pleasure, my friend. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'll tell you what, this is uncensored, unfiltered, and taped. I think we could be in a little bit of trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if people are listening, we're going to take them on a little ride, I'm sure. But it's going to be fun. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It is going to be a little bit of a ride. Listen, we're going to do word association. You ready? I'm going to throw out a word, and you throw out the first couple words that, that come to your mind. How's that, Ryan? Sounds good. All right. Boston Red Sox. Uh, likely going to be bad for a couple years. Clients. I prefer customers. What's the word that I'm actually thinking about? Um, they're going through a tumultuous time. Okay. Innovation. Buzzword. Means a lot of things to a lot of people. Zappy. Zappy. Trying to keep up with the market and improve every day. Insights. So important in, in a world where consumers are in control. All right. AI. A word everybody uses but not many people understand. Good. Storytelling. So critical, whether you're a technologist, a research consultant at a vendor, or a client side. It's a skill that not enough people have. Okay. And the New England Patriots. We'll end with that one. <laughs> the soon-to-be uh, two-time de defending champions in a row. Wow. Back-to-back. -back. So that's the yeah. prediction. They are right now, for anybody listening, they are 8-1, and one, so you'll know about when we tape this. I say they go 13-3. and three. What do you say? You know, it's funny. That is what I think, too. And I had them losing to Baltimore at the beginning of the season. So 13-3. and three, They're in the AFC Championship game. I'm still betting on Brady when it matters. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to tell you that the three games they lose. I'm gonna, I, I did pick Baltimore to beat them. I will also go with another mobile quarterback, and his name is Deshaun Watson. They lose in Houston. And I think they're actually for the first time in a while, going to lose two in a row on the road. I think they lose to Philly. So we will see. We're, we have similar, but I think they're going to lose to the Cowboys at home. Okay. All right. Well, that'll make a lot of people in my office happy. I know. Um, I know. Finally. All right. So let's start with it. You and I, we go back a long ways. Um, you have boundless energy. Where did you get that? Where did that come from? I think my mother. Uh, my mom is, you haven't had the chance to meet my mother yet, but she's born and raised in Dublin, Ireland, inner city, and she's the salt of the earth. Yep. So as a kid, we were doing cool stuff. We were traveling. She was always asking us hard intellectual questions. And she's a ball of energy. So I think there's a genetic dynamic there. I'm big on seizing the day. So I'm trying to make the most out of every day I'm here. That's nice. That's a, You know, it's interesting with my dad, when I think about what he taught me and the takeaways, they were very easy for me to figure out. You know, he was a businessman. I'm a businessman. He was very analytical. He was, he, he was great in mathematics. With my mom, it was, it was a little harder. It was to, to figure out. I don't think I figured it out until maybe the last five or six years. And she gave me a lot of soft skills. I think my, my organizational skills came from her. You know, being able to put together an outfit and looking presentable. She taught me me that. It's interesting. So what were some of the things that your dad taught you? My dad is a, was a construction worker when I was a kid. And he yep. worked his butt off. They, they had to work for everything they had, and I never felt like I didn't have everything. What I've learned from my dad is loyalty and work ethic. 
my, my dad goes to war for his family and he works his butt off. Um, and so, you know, yeah. that having both sides of that as a kid, I think it given me an advantage because um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you when I, when I first came to Zappi, I, I called a mentor of mine, Dan Fitzgerald, and I said, I've never done this job. And he goes, yeah, but you're going to outwork everybody, so you'll be fine. Um, and, and that's something I got from my dad, right? It, it's something I really appreciated about. Yeah, I think there's some takeaways there. I think that's one of the reasons that you and I are such good friends as we share that work ethic. Yeah. My dad, when he came down with cancer for the first time in 83, um, he would get his treatments and go right to the office and still beat in most of the people. And, you know, it's funny. I don't think you can teach work ethic. I think you have it or you don't. I think you can kind of mask it a little bit and, you know, oh, the boss is coming in on Thursday, so I'll get in an hour early. You know what I mean? It's almost pretend, but you, in my mind, you either have it or you don't have it. Uh, you know, I agree with you, and it's, it's a challenge because as you're building out your team and your business, what you don't want to do is surround yourself with a bunch of people that are just like you. Yep. Because then the thinking isn't good, the innovation isn't as good, et cetera. But what I've been learning to do, at least in how we recruit, is try to find people, ask interview questions that are going to get at work ethic and conscientious behavior. And I found that you can get people that care and work their butts off without hiring a bunch of type A sales guys and gals. So I, right. I think that is a balance because you can't teach people to care. They sort of have to have that in their own, in their own gut, you know? Right. Exactly. For those of you who, have, who are listening and haven't seen Ryan on stage, Ryan, how would you describe your presentation style? I only present about topics I know about and have a, and am passionate about. So if, if I'm presenting at a conference, I usually have something I, something I think is important for the audience to hear. I care about leadership. I care about this industry. I've been making my living in this industry my whole career, and I intend to keep it that way. And so a lot of times I'm impassioned, sometimes pissed off. And it's funny, I remember you and I got asked to present somewhere once and they wanted us to write a script and we both laughed. So that would be the third element of my presentation style. It's unscripted. I have a message I want to share, but I, I read the audience and tell stories. You know, it's funny and, and nobody will believe it, but we're going to talk for probably, you know, 40 minutes because this will be a two-part series. And this is unscripted. I don't know what I'm asking. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what the next question is. And it's, it's it, you know, it, no, but it's interesting, Ryan, because it's not scary to either one of us. No. It's just you and I, like we were in Las Vegas, you know, 48 hours ago having a discussion. That's what this is. It's just being audio taped. But you brought up an interesting word, leadership. And one of the things that you said earlier when we did word association, you said, well, it's kind of a cliche. Not everybody understands it. I actually would suggest that leadership is the same. You know, just because yes. you have a title doesn't mean you're a leader. Just because you don't have a title doesn't mean you're not a leader, right? So let's talk about that for a second. What do you think of the qualities, the, the, the must-have qualities to be a leader? Uh, empathy, self-awareness, the ability to listen and be told that you're wrong, the balancing capability to know when it's time to lead from the front versus empower from the back. And, and I think that's not something anybody's perfect at, but you know, sometimes you're in a, you're in a crisis situation and you need to say, okay, everybody follow me, we're going left. And other times you need to be conscious and sit back and ask people questions so that they can figure out for themselves exactly what to do and how to connect with other people. And, and I think, you know, you read all the business books and all the HBR articles and they offer these templates and framework, but each employee, each teammate, each person's different. And so a leader understands that and can get at their level. You don't have to be managing people to be a leader. I mean, we've got a guy in the Zappy Boston office. His name's Joe. He doesn't have any direct reports, but he's a leader. When he talks, everybody stops what they're doing and listens. And, and he, he portrays all of those traits that I just, I just laid out. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I totally agree with you because we've got some folks here at Mark that um, used to have some direct reports. They don't anymore. And the reality is they're still impactful. They're still leaders. When they talk, everybody listens a little bit. They still get that respect that everybody wants and needs and that they deserve. You you, you brought up something interesting. So um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be, I'll be presenting at the Michigan State in the classroom. And I'm really going to talk about self-awareness because I think if people have self-awareness, you can really work on some of the things that can get you in a position to strive to be the best that you can be. If I asked you self-awareness when Ryan Berry was 22 years old, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is a perfect Maryland, I know who I am, what would that be? What would you give yourself as a self-awareness as a 22-year-old? A, a 2 at best. And what would it be now? I'd say seven and a half, eight. Yeah, so that's, that's probably, I w- I'm not going to say my numbers are exactly yours, but the gap is probably the same, right? I may have been a one and now I'm a six or something like that. How did you, because this is so important, you know, how did you navigate through that and over time as year after year would go by, have better self-awareness? I am always trying to get better. That's just part of my DNA. I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better, a better coworker, a better friend, right? Like, so I'm always taking time to be reflective and introspective of like what, what has happened, right? So that's, I think that's just part of me. The how is I've been very privileged with two things, friends and mentors like you who have been willing to call me out and challenge me and give me feedback. Of course, it takes somebody who's willing to listen to the feedback, right? I think the other part of it is I've had the opportunities from a career perspective to do different things, right? So whether it's sell to big brands, lead a sales team, lead a commercial function, help build a business at multiple stages. You know, so at each of those intersections, you're having to learn and un- unlearn skills and change your behaviors. That's something that's uncomfortable, right? You're, I'm constantly working on something. Um, last year, it was time management and being more present. This year, it's at getting better at asking more questions. And I'm like very consciously doing that, you know? So the last part of that, Merrill, is, you know this better than I do. You've been in a senior leadership role for a long time. You have to be willing to learn from your critics. You know, there's all these places where people can give you feedback and sometimes it's not fun to hear it. But if you listen to it and take it for what it is, you can really help make yourself better. And so I think it's, um, it's a key trait of being a leader because a leader in this business climate that we work in today, Merrill, doesn't have all the answers. It's impossible. The markets move too quickly. The customers move too quickly. So you have to be willing to kind of disrupt yourself. You know, it, it, I'm going to tell a couple quick stories. And one of the things that really impressed me um, six or eight months ago was when you called me up and you said, hey, I, I, I'm hoping you can, you can do a 360 on me. Talk to me about, hey, what do I need to improve? What are my strengths? And I know you did that with a few people. And, and the, the interesting thing for me was that you listened and you wanted that feedback. Because I've always said to myself when I had evaluations from people like Jim Fredrickson or John Bonney or Sanford Schwartz, you know, some of my mentors, some of the people I worked for is like, don't tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to do to improve. Tell me what I need to do to get to the next level. Tell me what, what I'm missing, right? And you're that mm-hmm. guy. It's impressive. I mean, I remember, I know you talk about time management, but I remember, you know, in full disclosure, Zappi and Mark have a really impressive um, and important partnership. I remember when we were starting out, we were starting to accomplish some things. I was hearing some stuff that, hey, you know, your, your time management and your follow-up was a little bit um, challenging because you had tremendous 
you had a lot of work on your plate. And I, I'm not sure three people could have handled it, Ryan, but you handled it like a champ. And you listen, and I, when I called you up and said, listen, the team is saying you're just not following up. You're not getting back to them in a timely fashion. And, you know, most people wouldn't have process that information. You did like a champ and you were able to, you know, listen to it. You were able to react to it and you were able to change it. And that's impressive. And I think for the, for the audience and the people who I know are going to be listening, that's important life lessons to be able to take that information, take that criticism, take that feedback because it's meant only in a positive way and be able to change is unbelievable because most people can't do that and they won't do that. Right. You know, it's funny, so, I've, I've just added this to jobs, when we're hiring now, I've added this to all the job specs, have to be coachable and willing to get, give feedback, because it's not, it wasn't, I remember in both of those instances, it wasn't exactly easy to hear it, right, but I listened to right. it, and as a result, I'm better today because of it, and so, because that's my kind right. of approach, I also give feedback very freely. Frankly, I only want to work with people who want to get better. Because, um, you know, you, we've all worked with the person who knows everything and gets defensive. And it's like, hey, like, I'm not telling you this to be mean, right? I, I just want what's best for you and for the team that we're working on. Right. You know, it, it, it's funny what you just said. Um, that are you coachable? In, in May of 2000, um, I hired a woman, Janet Savoy, for the first time. And I've hired her twice. And the reason I hired her, she was a finalist for the, for the position. My boss at the time wanted to go in the other direction. I wanted Janet. And he said, why? And I said, because she's coachable. She was somebody who had never been, been in sales. I knew I could train her. I knew she had everything. She checked every other box. Mm-hmm. And because she was coachable, we've had the opportunity to work together for over 20 years now, which is, which is special. So, so we're going to go in a different direction. My buddy, Steve Schlesinger. Great guy. I love this word. He thanks. Yeah, he is. He's a special, amazing, uh, amazing human being and really loves the insights industry and has really delivered and taken taken his company. I mean, he's a deal maker. It's it's amazing, Ryan, because he's able to see things that others can't and he's able to integrate companies and bolt them onto his his brand without a step. And it's just, it's special because we did that at Harris Interactive and we had trouble all over the place. But he has a word called provocative. And, and I love that word. We, we've chaired the CEO Summit for 14 years and that word is always something that we want in terms of presenters, provocative. So let's get a little provocative for a minute, okay? All right, baby, I'm in. Let's do take it. A deep, take a deep breath from Ryan Barry to the world. What bothers you about the insights industry? I'll tell you what, what annoys me about both sides of the industry. Vendors act like okay. vendors, not partners, right? So be, they don't want to be called vendors, but they act like it. They build things okay. because they think they're cool. They throw buzzwords on them and they don't make sure that they're actually helping corporate insights people do their jobs better. Corporate insights people. Well, before we get to that, yes. what percentage fall into that category, Ryan? Too many, Merrill. I just got back from Vegas. Um, I was at the market yep. research event and I walked around the trade show booth and I went to a lot of the, you know, the presentations. There's just a lot of me, 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 why I'm better. If I'm a corporate insights person working at Unilever or Pepsi or whatever, I don't care about that. I care about how you're going to help me sell more deodorant, how you're going to help me get promoted, how you're going to help me be more connected. And so I think the marketing research industry has a marketing problem and it isn't like, uh, you know, go sell more stuff. It's like, are we, are we as companies aware of how we actually help the companies we aspire to do business with solve problems and grow? That's where they're being pointed, right? They're being pointed at 
being more of storytellers, being more integrated with the growth conversations, connecting data and representing the voice of the consumer. And I'll come on to my rant about corporate insights for people if you're ready for it. Or do you want to, you want to? No, I'm ready for it. We want to hear it. We need to hear it. I want you on that wall. I need you on that wall. Let me tell you something about Michigan State and why I'm involved in Michigan State. They're teaching corporate insights yep. people how to be modern, right? So I go out there. Um, Mike Breerton's become now a really good friend of mine. I go out there once a quarter, and I, sh I, I never share a, a lot about Zappy, although Mike keeps telling me I need to do more. Um, but I, I share a perspective about the industry. And what I love about what the MSU program is doing is it's, it's preparing people with both sides of the industry, the technical, grounded fundamentals of how to do stuff right, but then the ability to make sense of it in a world where you can do an advanced piece of analytics with a button click now. So now what are you bringing to the table, insights people, right? And so I think the corporate insights community has got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and using tools and technology to their advantage. I remember I got into insights about 12 years ago and a lot of corporate insights people were, were kind of procurement managers. There's a lot of great things that are being done in the space on both sides, but it's being, it's being applied around the fringes, right? So I, I think my rant about corporate insights is they let themselves work in way too many silos. They're experimenting around the fringes, but not really making the systemic changes we need to, to take advantage of the opportunity we have in front of us. And I think that's partly on us as a vendor community because we're doing a bad job of connecting. I went to a that was at the conference this week, right? And I had five or six different vendors who I will remain unnamed tell me about their client. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, your client? They work with 50 other vendors. How about we get together and integrate and add value together knowing that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all market research provider. You know, I know in the early days that was the case, right, Meryl? But it's, it's changed now. There's specialization. There's a, there's a need to integrate so that all the learning can come together. I'll get off my soapbox now because now you're getting me fired up. No, I want you fired up. This audience wants you fired up, seriously, because I think it's important. Your passion comes from the right place, Ryan. And look, there's a lot of things that, you know, we wish we could change within the insights industry, right? To me, I wish there was less associations. I wish there was associations that were merged. I think CASRO and the MRA getting together was great. That's a nice step. Dot, dot, dot. What took so long? What took so long, but they're also broken, right? Like these organizations right. are pay-to-play models. You know, if you're a corporate insights person, there's a couple of things you're trying to learn. If you're a vendor, you're getting charged 30 grand to go present at a conference. So what do you do? And you're throwing a sales pitch out there. The, the connectivity of these organizations isn't meeting the needs of either side of the, of the industry. I want to get involved in right. help. I was, I was just chatting with Brett Townsend last week. I, I don't know if anybody hasn't read Brett's insights people we need to wake up article if you're an insights you got to stop what you're doing and go read brett's article um i know there's people trying to solve the problem but it, it took, it's taking too long oh it's take well this industry is really it moves like a snail and actually i think a snail unfortunately moves quicker i mean we've had <laughs> it's always about what's the what's the next shiny toy right yes. and that's why you know ai i i mean i think you said it 20 minutes ago or so where you said most people don't understand what it is what it's be going to become nobody understands what the deliverable is nobody can take that that learning and and get some champions inside their client organizations because it's too hard to understand and it's it you know but at what year do we really get it? And does it really have an impact on this great industry that we're in? Yeah, exactly. You know, oh, we're not, we're not buying, but we don't need buzzwords, right? We need to use technology to make information more accessible 
and get smarter in time. And so you can throw whatever buzzword you want at that. But the problem is people don't understand it. So you go to these meetings and then they throw out a bunch of acronyms and people feel silly saying, hey, hang on a sec. What are you actually saying? What, what does that actually mean? How will I actually use this? How does this actually work? You know? And so it's funny, I'm on a bit of a tangent at the moment internally where I have a zero buzzwords policy. So anytime I see one on our website, in our product materials, I'm just like, please get it out. People just, need to, we need to speak in more simplistic terms, I think, because I think so often we, we use words and think we understand each other as human beings and we just don't. Let me give you an example. I have this customer, very big strategic relationship, and we have three people at Zappy, three people at this, it's a big uh, beverage company, working on implementation. And so as a social experiment, and I, I wrote an email to everybody, I BCC'd them and I said, please write back to me what you, what you think implementation means. I get six different answers, right? So, so often we use words to, to replace understanding and we, we really got to make sure right. we actually understand what the hell we're talking about. Pardon my French. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I absolutely to totally agree with you. So, well, listen, we've been, we've been talking with Ryan Berry. My name is Meryl Dubrow. This is Spartan Insights. You just listened to part one. Part two will be coming up next. Thanks, Ooh. Ryan. Thanks, Meryl.